all got grandmas, and they've all got stories. I'm Chloe Hung, and this is Stories from My Grandma. Join me each week as I sit down with a different grandchild to talk about their unique grandma. Today with me, I have Matthew Cesario. Hi, Matthew. Hello, Chloe. Hi. So can you uh, introduce yourself to start off with? Sure. Um, I am 25 years old currently. I'm a student at uh, Tisch uh, in the Goldberg uh, Department of Dramatic Writing, studying screenwriting. Um, I'm originally from Winthrop, Massachusetts. Um, And yeah, that's essentially the short and sweet of it. Nice. Great. Well, uh, who are you going to talk about today? I'm going to talk about my mother's mother, uh, Clara Cirigliano. Ooh, nice name. Yes. So, uh, can you first describe her, paint us a picture, what she like? Um, okay, well, she, she passed away when I was about five, six years old, uh, 95. Um, and the, one of the few memories I actually have of her in the flesh was while I was in her apartment in Medford, Massachusetts. I was probably 94 um, and I remember she was uh, singing to me. I was sitting on like a couch or in, in her kitchen, um, and I remember her just sitting there in front of me. And she was, you know, she was in her she was seventy two at the time. Um, and I remember she had those beads attached to her glasses that were like hanging from her neck in like a very grandmotherly way. Um, and she was just singing to me. I don't remember what the song was, um, and I remember holding in my hand this little um, ceramic rhinoceros. Um, so that's one of the only vivid memories I have of, of her. Um, but in painting a picture of her in a bigger sense, do you mean uh, like what her life was like or like where she was coming from? Or do you uh, mean just like a memory I have of her? Well, that was great. Okay. Um, she sounds like a very lovely woman. But yeah, let's dive into... Uh, her life as a whole. Let's start from the beginning. So okay. Where was she born? She was born in um, in Medford, Massachusetts, or uh, I'm not specifically, but the greater greater Boston area. Um, and she uh, was first generation uh, of her family to be born in America. Uh, she was one of five siblings. She had three sisters and one brother. Um, her parents were both born in Italy and uh, came over here when they were very young. Um, and she uh, was born in 1922 or 23. Um, I think it was 22. And um, she uh, ended up going to nursing school um, instead of going to college um, when she was got into B18, 19. Um, and shortly after that, um, the United States entered World War II. Um, and she volunteered for the Navy. And she uh, was assigned, and she was a nurse, so she was on a hospital ship. And um, she got to basically see the entire world on that ship. Um, and my, when I remember when shortly after she passed away, um, I remember my aunt and my mother uh, were going through a bunch of her things, and they found um, a bunch of her old medals that she had been given. Um, nothing like for valor or anything like that, just like campaign medals. And you know, as a kid, I remember I was absolutely fascinated with anything to do with World War II and my family's involvement in that. And her and her husband, uh, who was also in the Navy, he served on a carrier in the Pacific. Um, they were both in the Navy. That's not how they met. Um, they actually both were from Medford. And they uh, just met through friends after the war and had that common experience of being in the Navy in the war. Um, but she uh, 
had this had this whole diary um, of all the places she had been to. Um, I remember my mother would read me some of it, and you know she had remember talking in, in her diary about uh, going to a market in Cairo. I mean, excuse me, in Alexandria during the war, and going through the Suez Canal and seeing uh, India and uh, the Southern Pacific Oceans as well. Um, and I remember one th- specific thing I remember from her diary was uh, she had bought this saddle from a merchant in, in Egypt, and she remember had this very vivid description of it in, in, in the diary, and both my mother and my aunt were so confused because this was the first they'd ever heard of her talk about this saddle. She didn't know what the hell happened to it after the war. Um, uh, so that's one specific detail I, I can recall. Wow, that's amazing. Yes. So do you know where she started off in the Navy? Uh, uh, she was just an ensign. Um, so she had already finished nursing school or was in, in, the middle, in the middle of nursing school, and she just transferred that over to, to the armed services. So um, I don't know exactly what her duties were on the ship, um, but uh, she was just an ensign, and I'm, I'm assuming it was some sort of orderly work or along those lines. According to my mother, she was an excellent nurse. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure she was. Yes. Would this be something... Um, uh, that would be typical of um, a woman in her situation, or was this a complete diversion from her parents' expectations? Well, her parents, um, you know, since they were immigrants and they'd come over from Italy, uh, their expectations were anything other than just, you know, being dirt poor, which is what they were growing up. So they were, from as far as my mother understood it, they were fine with her uh, doing anything essentially. Um, and this was just, I guess, where her passions took her. Um, she, my mother said she always knew her mother had a, an interest in health and in, in living well, uh, healthy, living healthy. Um, and that's just where, how she got involved in, in medicine, as far as I understand it, as far as she understands it. Um, and so, yeah, as the two expectations of her family, they just wanted her to, now that she was born in America and she had this access to the United States's quote, boundless opportunity. They just wanted her to uh, take advantage of that as best she could in whatever way she saw fit. Um, that's as far as much as I understand where her parents were coming from. Uh, could you ascribe the term American dream? I Yeah, so I this? suppose you could describe the term American <laughs> dream however loose you want to define it. Um, but yes, I mean, I wouldn't say it's not as dramatic as, say, uh, you know, a uh, Obama's American dream. Certainly he's had a more fruitful experience. Um, but yes, I mean, you know, they, as typical of any immigrants that come to the United States, you know, they just want the best for their kids. Um, and that's, um, they just want their kids to have that opportunity. And that's what I assume my great grandparents were hoping the best for their kids. And however they could succeed to what extent they could succeed, they were satisfied so long as they were not just wasting their, their opportunities in their life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So when she um, when she was on the Navy, or I guess uh, her at that time, do you have a sense of what she was like? Was she very outgoing? Or um, well, she um, from what my mother has led me to to believe is that she was um, very independent minded. Um, when I had asked my mother, you know, was she involved in any you know, political movements at the time or anything that she was, uh, you know, she was very, she, my mother uh, has always said that my grandmother was one of the most liberal people she had ever, ever met. Um, and that's definitely a strain that has gone through to my mother and then on to me. Um, uh, and she, you know, loved to sing a lot. And that's something that my mother always would do. And my mother, when my grandmother would sing to her, would be 
get very embarrassed. And when my mother would sing to me as a kid, I would get very embarrassed. This is always in public. Um, and so that's, that's one thing. Um, she would, yes, I feel, feel like she was fairly gregarious. Um, she was very independently minded. And uh, she, my mother remembers her saying to her at one point, um, you know, that if she could have forsaked having kids, not had kids at all, she would have much rather have done that and just pursued her career, which she would have found much more fulfilling than, say, settling down at the in her late 20s, early 30s, and having a bunch of kids, five, um, all wow. in all. So she said it wasn't a regret so much of her, but it was just I think she would have preferred to have enriched herself uh, in a professional way before she had actually made that big commitment. That's really interesting. My grandmother actually said a similar thing yeah. recently. Oh, okay. Um, that uh, kids actually became a bit of a, a distraction, a bit... Um, she didn't say nuisance, <laughs> but basically took her away from working. Right. And, you know, uh, in the 40s, there was, like, these societal expectations at the time and, you know, just the inertia of that. Yeah, so 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 let's talk about her and your grandfather. You said they met after the war. Yes. Um, oddly enough, they were both from Medford. They were both born and raised there, but they didn't know each other. Um, then they both served in the Navy and uh, in the Pacific. Um, and then they met through family friends um, after the war. And uh, my mother was born in 49, and her sister, who's older, my mother's the second oldest, uh, her sister was born, I think, in in 47 or 46. Um, so, like, really, like, right after the war, they they had gotten married and and had had one kid and then had, you know, went on to have four more. Um, their marriage, my they were married till, I think, the early 70s, 72 is when uh, they got divorced, um, and from my mother's recollection, it was not the happiest of marriages. Um, and she was saying that, you know, I mean, by the time they got divorced, the youngest child they had, my aunt Andy, she was 10 years old. Um, but uh, my mother says that around that time, her, my grandmother started to have problems with alcoholism um, as a result of, of the unhealthy marriage she had with, with my, my grandfather, uh, Pat. So um, she said, but prior to then, you know, late 60s, early 70s, her mother never drank, never had a problem with alcohol, never was indulgent in it at all. Um, and, but, you know, the, since the marriage had become such a, taken such an emotional toll on, toll on her, she, um, you know, sought to alleviate that mm-hmm. through the bottle. Um, as a side note, uh, my, my grandmother... Um, was very emotional in the sense of not in like a histrionic way or something like that, but she was um, an amateur poet. She loved Robert Frost, and um, there was another poet my mother mentioned. I can't remember their name, um, but yes. Yeah, so and she found that to be a, a great outlet for her her uh, depression, for lack of a better word, which is I know something she has dealt with and dealt with in her life. Um, and I think that my mother has always described her writing poetry as um, very therapeutic for for her mother. And oddly enough, um, she remembers her mother writing poetry on those big yellow legal pads with the lines. And oddly enough, those are the things I prefer to use when I write. And then when my mother told me that, I was like, that's brilliant. I love that. And I both prefer that and she preferred that. And we came to that conclusion separately over 60 years. But yes. You're both writers. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know that you also write poetry as well. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. And it's just, um, I, that's an interest I had in me even before I knew it was my grandmother's interest. And then when I expressed that interest to my mother, she mentioned that and then um, since I didn't get to know her very much, uh, Robert Frost has always sort of been 
uh, the bridge, the spiritual bridge between me and my grandmother whenever I read his poetry. I always think of her um, reading it and wondered what she would think of him or what she thought of him. I know she liked him very much, being a New Englander, as she was. Wow, that's beautiful. I like that you guys have Robert Frost to, mm -hmm. to keep you together. And also, um, Wuthering Heights. Um, I, she bought a copy of one of these old school looking books for Wuthering Heights and she loved the Bronte sisters and Jane Austen and then she imbued that to, to my mother. Um, and my mother still has the copy of Wuthering Heights um, that her mother gave to her and then I'm sure I'm going to get it. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, unless she gives it to my niece. But um, I'd be fine with that if she does. <laughs> uh, that's... I like that. I like that she, um, this family heirloom yes. is, uh, is a book. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, sorry, just cycling back to her and mm -hmm. her grandfather. Mm -hmm. um, and you can answer or not answer up to you. Uh, do you know much about uh, what it was in their relationship that made it so difficult? Um, specifically, I, yeah, I'm not too sure. Um, I'm not also too sure if my mother knows exactly what the dysfunction was, um, or if she does, if she just chooses not to speak about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it just sounds like, um, there was some kind of emotional divergence. Um, there was a lot of financial strain on their family. Uh, my mother and her, her siblings, they all grew up basically in poverty for most of their early life. Um, my grandfather was a taxi driver after the war, um, and one of my uncles uh, was a taxi driver as well. My grandmother, she had gone back to nursing after the war, um, but that wasn't enough to pay the bills, so she ended up going back to school to study uh, managerial skills. Um, and so she eventually started doing doing that. Um, but I, I can't say specifically what if there was a root cause, if it was just, you know, an, an, an incompatibility that became clear over time uh, because, you know, they were married after the war. It's kind of maybe it was a spur-of-the-moment thing. You know, everyone was getting married right after the war. Um, and that it was just, you know, they had divergent divergent opinions on, on life and on their views of things. And on top of that, a financial strain that exacerbated those, those tensions. Um, but I, I think she was just emotionally unhappy and maybe she was feeling that her regret perhaps at her not having uh, taken her career a little more seriously and, uh, you know, having... I just go back to what she had mentioned about my mother, about how she would have preferred to have delayed having kids in pursuit of um, a more fulfilling career. Uh, maybe that was a factor in the demise of that relationship. Mm -hmm. Do you have a sense of what this uh, potential career would have been? Would uh, it have been in medicine? I would like to think it would be in medicine. Um, that sounds like one of her big passions in life. Um, I have no reason to think this, but I would much prefer it to have been something poetic, uh, <laughs> something more uh, literary, and an, incl an inclination more literary. But um, no, I can't say specifically what was going through her mind in that regard. Do you have an impression of what your grandmother was like as a mother? Um, she was a very loving mother. Um, you know, she, she very much cared for her, her children. Um, specifically, I, I can't say any anecdotes from, from my mother's life, um, you know, aside from the one I mentioned about her always loving to, to sing to her kids and try and... Um, she would also give my mother and I think my, uh, my other aunt... Um, she always gave them books as the gifts, um, poetry books and, and things along those lines. Um, as to how she was as a mother, um, 
I know she cared very much about her about her family, um, but I can't say specifically what she was like um, mm -hmm. for them. Well, at least my mother chooses not to speak that much about it. Um, do you have a sense of if she was a strict mother? Oh, I wouldn't say she was strict. Um, I don't get that impression at all. Um, so, and you know, as I mentioned, she was also a fairly liberal person. So she just wanted her kids to be happy and and find fulfillment um, in their life, uh, much like I imagine her grandparents wanted for her once she came was born in in America. Um, so yes. Cool. Do you know what it was that finally led them, your grandparents, to divorce? Um, I don't, I can't recall a specific incidents. Um, I think it was just a bunch of, of little things, yeah, over time, like they just became clear that their relationship was very dysfunctional. Um, and I, I, um, I, from what I, my mother says, I feel like the finance, their financial situation was also just the bedrock of that dysfunction. Um, but was it, um, that, you know, times were changing, divorce was becoming a bit more... Uh, acceptable? Not, yeah, acceptable. Not quite common, but maybe more acceptable. Right. Um, I think that was definitely an added factor into it. I mean, this was 72 when, when that happened, um, and my mother was uh, living at home with the two of them. So she remembers saying it was just my mother was the all the other uh, three of the siblings had moved out at that point and it was just my mother and her 10 year old sister my aunt Andrea um, living at home and you know she remembers that um, her and her her and her father uh, her and her husband excuse me were just always arguing um, all the time um, I don't if I don't know if this is true or not but um, I imagine there was some kind of physical abuse happening um because that was you know basically what was fine i guess at that point in time I, my i know my father's mother had that in her marriage much more severely um, um and with my mother's mother she was much more i think conjecture um than my mother actually witnessing it directly um so yes yeah, so i mean all of all of that i'm sure contributed to it but um, when they did get a divorce, my mother um, was basically the one who who was the only sibling that was actively involved in protecting my mother. It sounds like uh, my grandmother, excuse me, because um, she remembers like going with her to to the lawyer um, and then taking her and putting her in a um, get, taking her to see not putting her in, but uh, taking her to see like, a psychiatrist, a therapist, um, because she was starting to get very depressed um, and she was also starting to drink heavily and. Her health uh, weight started to deteriorate in the sense that she was getting heavier, um, which was very uncharacteristic for her because um, she was very um, health conscious up until then. But right. this was all just starting to affect her. And, you know, when you get depressed, you just start to lose respect for yourself, both on a personal and on a physical level. Um, so my mother was basically caring for her that, at that time and tried to basically got my father, my grandfather out of the house um, and basically it sounds like she just sort of kicked him out and then uh, the psychiatrist that they had taken, she had taken my grandmother to was basically saying she needs to stay in this house that they've been living in because that's like a, she can now reclaim that environment and, and make it feel like it's safe again for her um, and uh yeah, so of all, my mother was sounds like the only sibling that was really taking an active interest in 
defending my mother, my grandmother's uh, mental health, I suppose. Hmm. That's very interesting. I'm glad she was able to uh, to do something. Yeah. To get out of that. Yeah. Um, so for your grandmother as a grandmother, mm. uh, how many grandkids does she have? She, um, uh, grandkids, oh God. Um, she would, well, there's, there's me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then there's my, my oldest aunt has three kids. Um, then my uncle Stephen, um, who he died he actually committed suicide. He, my mother thinks he had bipolar disorder, actually. Um, but he, and I think that's something that also my sounds like my grandmother had either that or depression. And I know I, that's something that's in me as well, and it's also in my mother. Um, but he, he, um, I think he had one daughter, my uncle Stephen, um, and then my uncle Chris. Uh, I think he had two or three. Um, then he he also became a born again Christian later on in life, which I never understood. Um, Fittingly, he's also a carpenter, so, you know, there's Christ and there's a carpenter, too. But anyway, um, uh, <laughs> so, um, and then my, my aunt, so yes, I think it would be around five to, to seven grandkids. My aunt Andrea is a, is a lesbian, so she doesn't have any, any children. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you one of the younger ones? I am the youngest one, yes. Oh, her youngest. Yes. Uh, do you, I don't know if you uh, see your cousins much, but do you have a sense of what she was like as... A grandmother? Um, no, not so much from from my though the three uh, cousins I have from my my oldest aunt are the ones I see with regularity. Um, I don't I don't actually have any memories of them talking about her as a as a grandmother at all. Um, yes, at all actually. Now come to think of it, um, so I don't know what their perspective on her was as a grandmother. I mean, as I mentioned, I just have that one one or two memories of her when I was when I was really young, um, you know, singing to me or just being in her apartment and playing with her little ceramic uh, animals that she has, which I still have um, back home. Um, but yes, so uh, I think she just was, um, she liked to just to be, well, actually I can't, I can't say with any certainty, so. Okay. Um, what about her do you admire? Well, obviously the fact that she was, I mean, well, I have pretty much everything I've mentioned is quite admirable, I think. Um, but in particular, obviously, I have a soft spot for her poetic mm-hmm. inclinations and interests, and I think that's something that, if it is genetic, I've certainly gotten it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's to me the biggest connection I have with her. Um, it's mm-hmm. something I really love to think about, um, especially that she did all that without no training at all. Um, it was just what she had read and what she wanted to take from it. And my mother has a few of her poems. Um, why I haven't seen them, I don't know, but uh, that's going to change. Um, and she, my mother says that her, from her poetry, you know, some of it was, you know, most of it was fairly, you know, like lighthearted and, and fun and, you know, fairly uh, superficial is too diminutive of a word, but, um, you know, which is like that kind of sincere poetry. But then she said there was also some that was a lot more, heavier and ambiguous and that was from what my mother understood was written during times of of great emotional strain on her I'm sure as a result of the dysfunction of her marriage um yes well this project is partly about uh legacy and we've sort of touched on that quite a bit Mm -hmm. here um do you feel like you are part of her her legacy oh absolutely I love I love to think so um 
you know, and I, I, I mean, my first, the way I first started to get interested in, in my grandparents, um, all four of them, was, you know, as a kid, I was fascinated with World War Two, And so, you know, then when I realized that, oh, my grandparents were old enough to participate in that, I found that only my mother's parents were the ones that had any direct involvement. And, you know, my grandfather eventually uh, became estranged from my mother and all of his family um, fairly like around the time of the divorce. So he didn't figure very prominently in, in my mother's life after that. So um, he was the one I actually had more interest in because uh, he saw combat. He was on a carrier. Um, I was hit by kamikazes and all those things. So I would love to have talked to him. And by the time I got to meet him, he had had a stroke and he couldn't really talk. Um, but so my grandmother is the one who I think of all my grandparents, I had the most interest in from first and earlier on because of her experience on the hospital ship and we had that wonderful diary of hers um and so it was, that was definitely where her death was around the time that i was starting to get old enough to be conscious of who these people were um and oddly enough it was also as soon as right around the time they were all started to pass away um so yeah she's in that sense she definitely set this you know consciousness in me of who these these four people were in my life, and she has always had a special place for being that first one that I started to pay attention to. And as I found out more about her, and my mother was obviously had a big influence on my life. And since her mother had an influence on her life, that was always you know she was always there in my in my memory. Um, so yes, I say that the chief legacy of her is especially after I quite happily found it to be coincidental that we both love poetry. That is something that I have really clung to um, and found quite uh, satisfying in an emotional sense that I can have that very sort of ethereal connection with her through the medium of Robert Frost. What do you think, this is sort of an obvious question, but what do you think she would think of uh, what you're doing right now? Oh, I think she would, (laughs) I think she would be fascinated by it. Um, I don't know what her feelings were on movies or plays or television, but um, I think um, she would be very happy that this is where I'm going in my life and um well you've written a couple of uh historical epics <laughs> yes I have yes I <laughs> both have. in um in in our screenwriting class and and your playwriting class mm-hmm. so um do you think she would I be think interested in in, in reading those well? yeah. oh yes I mean I absolutely and um I think she would also be very happy to see that I was taking such an active interest in in her experience with say World War Two. um uh, and then yes, there's the poetry. I think she would actually probably be more interested if she had, maybe if, if I had been born earlier and had had her in my life for longer. Maybe I would not have even bothered with dramatic writing. Perhaps I just would have doubled down on poetry back when I was in high school. Whoa! Uh, yeah, who knows? Um, you know, if she was there to sort of you know talk to about that sort of thing, who knows? Who knows? Well, I think that's. Uh... A beautiful note to to end it on. Yes. So thank you, Matthew, for oh. coming in and talking to me about your grandmother. Oh, thank you for inviting me, Chloe. Absolutely. Uh, this has been Matthew and Chloe with Stories from My Grandma. Thanks for listening to Stories from My Grandma. If you're enjoying this podcast so far, please give us a rating or leave a comment on our iTunes page. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you'd like to be interviewed about your grandma, you can contact me on the Tumblr page, storiesfrommygrandma.tumblr.com. 
Next week, I'm going on a brief hiatus, but Stories from My Grandma will return December 3rd with Hannah Rittner on her grandmother, Rita Shapiro. I'm Chloe Hung, and this is Stories from My Grandma. Mm-hmm.